guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I am Ryan from ColdSploitation.com, and I'm here with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? And we are back to finish out the season of Halloween on this podcast. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I know, oh I, can't believe, I can't believe we've already reached the end. We went through nearly every single Halloween movie in this uh, past two months. We only missed H2O. We, uh, yeah, and I mean, we only missed it because we've already done it, so... I, I actually watched it myself. I watched it, you know, so I watched every single one in order. Um, the, I mean, we skipped over Rob Zombies, which don't even really require a mention. If you, you can listen to our episodes on them if you want, but just know that we, we don't like either of them very much at all. So there's that. So that's why we didn't even bother with those. Um, so we did every single one of them, all culminating, leading up to the big one. The one that's been announced for... A couple years now, been in production, getting everybody excited for it, and it's finally here. The grand Halloween 2018. And or just Halloween. Or just Halloween. But if you if you call it by just Halloween, it, that gets super confusing, right? I don't know why they decided they I, were like... I do. What? Money. Yeah, I guess. But it was just like... now. <laughs> Make they, it, keep, keep it simple. Don't, you know... Again. I would have even been okay with just like them going with Halloween 2018. That would have been fine with me. Why not Halloween H218 Resurrection Old Folks Home Sanitarium? No Loomis. Yeah, put that in. Yeah. <laughs> Parentheses, no Loomis. No Loomis or Paul Rudd. Yeah, that's true too. Um... The other thing, yeah, they could have done like Halloween H four O, but then you really have negative connotations. As you, if you <laughs> listen to our previous episode on Halloween H two O, you'll know that we just didn't like that one very much at all either. It doesn't hold well, up everyone, to scrutiny. Well, everyone makes fun of the name for Halloween H two O too. You know what? Though? Halloween H two O twenty years late. Like, yeah, my but my wife's um, mother's boyfriend loves that name H two O. He said he was like, that's so clever. So he loves it. But I, yeah, I think most people do make fun of it. <laughs> he seems like he would be the person yeah. to say that. Yeah, he loves it. <laughs> oh, God. The only thing, that I, so, I mean, like, I do, I think it is kind of fun to refer to Halloween 2018 as H40 as well, just because now it's out there. No, stop. I think it's fun. No. I'm doing it. No, don't do this. Yeah, but can you ima- Can you believe that tomorrow, and it, we're filming this, or we're recording this on October 25th, tomorrow, or October 24th, I'm sorry, tomorrow is October 25th. And that is the day, literally to the day. The 40th anniversary. That is the 40th anniversary. And we're going to be posting this episode for tomorrow. So it'll be up on Halloween's we're 40th true, anniversary. we're true fans. That's right. We don't, you know, we're not jumping the gun. I just got my trick-or-treat uh, Halloween 3 pumpkin mask, too, from uh, from so, for my Halloween party. Yeah, yeah, from Silver Shamrock. Yeah, technically. Yeah. It's got the Silver Shamrock button on it. I'm afraid. I'm staying away from TVs on Halloween night. You haven't heard every seven more days till Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. I do kind of wish that some stations would just pull that out. Just pull that to play like during commercial breaks. That'd be kind of fun, right? Ad, it'd be fun, but ad space is so valuable these no, days. I know. No, yeah, no, I know. They would never. Someone at AMC was just like, yeah, let's throw that on during a commercial break just for fun. I mean, obviously, I could see like Adult Swim doing it. Uh, probably something like that. Yeah. Because it does Putting come it off, it, it does come off as very Tim and Eric-y. They don't really care either. Like, 
with ad space, like they, they, I don't know if they still do, but they used to always have just those like text blocks that they'd play before and after they were going to a commercial break. And they didn't really care that it took up, you know, probably a minute of their ad block space. Well, it's probably also too, to, because they're like, well, we didn't have, an, we, this episode of Harvey Birdman didn't go long enough. So, uh, mm. gotta, you know, we got to fill with something. Pat yeah, it. That's true. <laughs> All right. But we're here to talk about Halloween 2018. And, um, I guess we'll start off in this intro by just talking about our expectations for the film. Um, I honestly was not really expecting a whole lot. I, I don't, I, I was excited for Halloween 2018, but, and I, and I thought it was in good hands too. David Gordon Green, Danny McBride. I know like when you hear Danny McBride, you're thinking, oh, uh, he just writes a lot of comedies. He's in comedic stuff. He's, you know, he's a comedy actor, but at the same time, he has done a lot of great stuff that's not so comedic too, or more dark, uh, in scope. So I knew that there was a, you know, a possibility it could go wrong, but also a good possibility that he could come up with something great for the Halloween legacy. Um, so I, I would say that my expectations were tempered. I wasn't like super excited thinking this was going to be the greatest movie I've ever seen, but I also thought it could be a fairly good movie that wouldn't. And, and at now at this point in time, Movies that are like this that hit theaters, they tend not to suffer from the 90s syndrome of films that were like, you know, just pushed out there really quickly um, with a low budget and just like pushed out to make money. Obviously, Halloween 2018 was pushed out to make money. They obviously did make a lot of money. They made like $70 million in the opening weekend, more. making back far more than their, bro- e- their they, even budget. I think they broke Venom's record. Yeah. So it and, was over $80 million. And, you know... Obviously, that was there to make money, but at the same time, it was also clear that it's from people who really love the love the genre, love the legacy of Halloween. I guess you could say that too about H two O, though. I mean, at the time, that was sort of taken over as a money making scheme primarily, but also just from somebody who loves the slasher genre. Because you had Kevin Williamson on. I honestly think it was... Do you think, like, they were just like, no, you know what? check. Yeah. You know what, Kevin? Just write yeah. something. Just put something take, down. Take Scream and slap Halloween on it. It's true. That's, again, as we talked about with H2O and when we did 90 Slasher Month, that's outside the faculty, which is its own little entity in of itself. Mm-hmm. That was the formula. What was the most popular Slasher film of the 90s? Scream. Take Scream, do something different, slightly different with it. Mm-hmm. So I know what you did last summer, Meat Hook. Mm-hmm. Halloween H2O, just Michael Myers instead of Ghostface. And a lot of them were like sort of toned down the meta. Yeah. We're not looking for that for yeah. our audiences. Urban Legend, just throw wacky legends in there that don't... Tara Reed giving sex advice. Yeah, about swallowing. <laughs> and before we... I, I will say too, I kind of want to revisit 90s um, Slasher Month. Because I think we've got a whole lot more that we could do. I, I wanted, and and this will be for far in the future, probably into like January, February, something like that. But I would like to revisit it. Sure, just, just putting that out there. There was one like, a movie I saw. I can't remember. It's getting a little off topic. There was one movie I I saw the other day. And I, I can't remember what the hell it was. But I was like, why the hell didn't we do that? That would have been a good one to do. Hmm. Well, think about you know, think about it and try to remember. Because mm. I'm not right from that description. That very oh. descriptive. Oh, I know. Final Destination. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, I think that was 2000, though. I think that's why. Wow. We did do wow. Jeepers Creepers, and we 
kind of cheated on that one, but yeah. well, I'm pretty sure that um, Final Destination was in the 2000s. Well, I was say, 90 Slasher Month bleeds into, like, it, 2002. It's true, it's true. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was, 2000. It yeah. was 2000 on the nose. Um, so that's probably why, but we could look, or maybe we do an OO Slasher Month next time. Yeah, no, I think, Woo! I think going from, like, I think going from 95 to 90, uh, to 2002 is a good one. We could fuck around with 80 Slasher Month. It would never end. It would just be fun. I'm just saying, yeah. (laughs) But, all right, we're way off topic here. Getting back to what I was talking about. So, do you think that Halloween 2018 was primarily a cash grab in the same way that H2O was? And I'm saying, I'm talking about this from a perspective of you going into the film, not having seen the film. So, think about it before you saw the film. What was your opinion on that? Um, yes and no. Um, yes in the fact, and I kind of backtrack a little, um, to kind of talk about expectations first uh my expectations for the film were none i didn't think it was going to be bad but at the same time i just wanted to have no expectations because i didn't want to get my hopes up mm. and you know or go in like overly negative and critical you know it's gonna be a piece of shit um it was really hard to do that too to stay like expectation free because it was once you got to september october it's everywhere it's on the cover of entertainment weekly fangoria puts out a magazine about it uh, Birth Movies, Death, and Mondo put out a magazine about it. Uh, even Parade that comes in my mom's, the the newspaper my mom works for. It's like just this little old person magazine had fucking Jamie Lee Curtis on the cover with an Activia yogurt or something like that. So everywhere was, it was well, luckily I was only get, I, Luckily I was only getting bombarded because I don't get any of that crap. I was just getting bombarded on Facebook with the trailer. And the trailer did look like, okay, this looks like it's going to be interesting, mm-hmm. you know. Um yep. A retread of the original idea, yes, but at the same time, it's kind of the only place where if you're going to do a film that's technically a sequel to the first one where you have to go. You can't really um, try it like anything outrageously new. You kind of have to hit the reset button. So again, this is one of those films that falls into the remake, sequel, you know, or it's a remake, but it's also a sequel. I'm pretty sure that Fangoria even uses this term requel now. I I don't know. Uh, I had my own words for it. I've used it a thousand times. I'm drawing a blank. But... Resequel. Su- yeah, re- yeah resequel. re-sequel. Yeah, where it's just... Everything combined into one. Which I was fine with. Because, like I said, if you, they tried anything out too far outside the box, it would probably not do well. And... All they would have to really do is kind of take those common tropes, but then certain areas subvert them to work. That's why a lot of people love The Force Awakens when it first came out, because it's basically a new hope, except they subverted some things. Like, we have a female hero this time, and what happens to Han in that film, and some other things. So, um, that's mainly what I expected. I did think the trailer was good. You know, it didn't get me really pumped up or anything, but I thought it looked really good. I really liked the movie poster. That looked awesome. I like just like how old and weathered the mask looked. You know, that's the what Rob Zombie's Halloween poster should look like. Not some fucking hulking asshole <laughs> with like a knife, you know, and a wife beater. <laughs> but no, I the poster, you know that that was awesome. But for the most part, my t- my expectations, like you, they were tempered because I didn't want to go in too negative to have like a negative lens. But at the same time, I was I didn't ha- think. Um, anything highly of it because usually again it's a very wishy-washy type thing so that case about going off of uh 
If it was a cash grab, yes, obviously, because if it wasn't a cash grab, this would just be its own little film and not a Halloween film. So obviously they're looking to cash in on Halloween's, you know, cachet. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's 40 years now, even better. Perfect time to put it out. However, at the same time, um, knowing the people that were working on this film and the budget that it had... It was definitely a passion project, too. Mm -hmm. So you got best of both worlds. Yeah, obviously, they're trying to make money. It's also a passion project. So hopefully those people that work on it are going to put that same passion into it to make a product and a film and a piece of art that's, you know, entertaining. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Uh, and that's, yeah. Yeah. So basically, both of our expectations were... Pretty, you know, we, we were grounded, I would say. There wasn't anything, like, we were, no one was high-flying, expecting the world going into this film. So, uh, it's kind of like the place to be. That's where I like to be now all the time. Even though that I write for a horror website and I try to stay abreast of, like, what's coming out in horror, I also don't really go out of my way to, like, watch trailers anymore. No, or, I, don't, I don't either. I mean, I will if it's, like, presented especially, to me, but I just don't go out of my way. Especially with, like, things I really want to get into. Right. So, like, Red Dead 2, I've like outside, like, the main trailers, I've avoided, like, all the gameplay trailers, like, showing what's going on and all mm-hmm. that type of crap. I don't want to know. I just, because I'm already excited and pumped up for it, you know. And I, and you know, with like Rockstar, they don't ever fuck up. Yeah, you're just ready. So, so I'm ready. I just can't wait. It. You just you don't want to. I already have my own set expectations. I don't need them, you know, fueling the fire. They already have my money. Yep. Halloween, it's the same thing. Like, it may be crappy, but I've seen them all. So you're going to get my money either way. So. Yep. All right, let's take a break real quick and we'll go into, because we do actually have a beer today. We haven't been uh, lazy. I know. Last last week we didn't have anything, so we just went. We just did the the podcast straight through. We're just like, all right, fuck the intro, fuck the beer talk. We're just gonna talk completely about Halloween Resurrection because we had so much to say. This time we do actually have a beer on the show, and we got a uh, a new one for you. One that came out uh, as a new pilot batch series from Jenny Brewing Company. So this one is. Um, the Brew House Pilot Batch number 12, as Martin cracks into another one. Um, we haven't had all 12 of the Pilot Batch, but I've we've had, had most, close to all of them. There's, I think only, like, two I don't think I've had. Cause Some didn't, didn't come around. Yeah. Right? They and, do and They do release more that are just at the Brew House. Like, they didn't release yeah. in six packs um, or four packs, kind of like, um, like they had Imperial Cream Ale. Yep. And like uh, that. No, you had that one. No, it was like an imperial, like honey cream or something. It was uh, like a hibiscus, something. Because mm-hmm. they it was a special one at yeah. the at the brewery. And yeah. They just had the brew house, but out of the ones they have released in four packs or six packs, I've had just about all of them except like two. Mm-hmm. I think the pilsner is like the one that I can think of off the top of my head. I didn't couldn't get my hands on. We've tried to get them all to to try every single one of them, and the juicy IPA is their newest one. Um, Which, by the way. Sidebar here. For those of you not to know, a juicy IPA is a New England IPA. Yeah, it's uh, the New England style, which has pretty much come to be it's considered the, the what fuck. tastes like citrusy juiciness the, that's hazy as well. The 2018 beer sti- style of the year. Yeah. Which, by the way, here's the other sidebar. Pick a folk fucking nomenclature. Is it a juicy IPA? Is it a hazy IPA? Yeah. Or is it a Nipa? 
Personally, right. just call it a fucking Nipah. Sam Adams and them, they beat you to the punch on this one. Yeah? You know, yeah. I don't know if they're the first ones, but they're the ones that have really made it popular. At least in our area, you know. Yep. Um, and that's the first New England IPA I remember, you know, seeing and tasting. So maybe a smaller brewer may beat them to the punch. But it's all about, you know, who wins that marketing battle. And they've won it. Call it a fucking Nipah. I, you know, even if it's out, like, from California or whatever. I I don't really like, like, it being called, like, a juicy IPA or a hazy, you know. Mm-hmm. Just call it a Nipah, for God's sake. I agree. Pick a nomenclature and stick to it. So this juicy IPA is uh, f- filled with Simcoe, Crystal, Cascade, and Amarillo hops. Um, which, if you've had other juicy IPAs or Nipahs before, pretty standard batch of hops to put in those brews um it's what you're really going to get the citrusy flavors out of the juiciness well, now of which one now you would know better than i which one of these is like the more citrusy one i would say the cascade and the amarillo um because i don't think i've ever had a beer at least off the top of my because they've had plenty of ipas with simcoe and crystal yeah and cascade hops yeah i think the cascade is one of the ones that's going to give most of the citrus flavor. I don't know about Amarillo because I don't think I've ever had Amarillo hops singly. You maybe, know what I mean? Like maybe a, that's what creates the hazy color. Could could be. Whatever the case, or however it's hopped, and I don't. I'm not a brew chemist, so I don't really know much about it. Uh, it does create that hazy quality to it, and you do get that very full juicy flavor. That it, I think it's the juicy IPAs are meant to sort of overpower the regular bitterness of a hop unit. Like you, you're getting a lot of that citrus that sort of calms the the bitterness of it. I think that's that's fairly true of this juicy IPA. I would disagree. You think it's still bitter? I think this is still pretty hoppy. Not it is ba- hoppy. Not a bad thing, but I will say, out of all the Nipahs, juicy IPA, hazy, whatever the fuck. Yep. This is definitely the juiciest. Yeah. Um. This actually does taste pretty citrusy sweet not like like because we've had like like a, more citrusy ipas on here before like saranax tropical storm ipa which is like a nice grapefruity ipa mm-hmm. this one's like real like it's like you're eating a starburst kind of not like in the sugary quality but like they're like oh juicy like juiciness mm-hmm. like flavor yeah um which is weird i don't know how i feel about it yet uh, i think i'll have to have like a couple four packs to be honest to kind of make a final decision but it's kind of a weird no, I sound like you, Jesus. <laughs> Hiccuping. Yeah. Um, weird little... But it's like just like a weird combo. I mean, I think it pairs well because I do like citrusy IPA. I do like, you know, like grapefruit and yep. more orange, you know, more of a citrus background in my IPAs. But it's just weird just because how, like, how juicy overall it tastes, which it, that does fit well for this beer. I just prefer the Nipo nomenclature, so... I, um, I just had a hazy beer yesterday. Uh, it was done by BrewDog, and I would say it was a, just a tad bit better than, than this Juicy IPA. Not that this one is bad at all, just that I felt like they balanced the juiciness and the hop bitterness a little bit better than in this one. Because even, like, because I, I had on Monday a couple of Sam's Nipas at a barbecue place around here for wing night, and I would say that's not really that, ci- I mean, it's got a little bit of citrus to it, but it's not very citrus. It's just more tastes like an IPA that's kind of hazy, mm-hmm. you know, which I'm fine with, but I mean... Right. Yeah, I, I think that this one is good. I've had better. I've had better juicy IPAs or Nipas or whatever you want to call them. Um, 
but I, I still think it's a pretty solid beer, especially coming from Jenny, uh, who doesn't generally make IPAs. It's not really something that they do. I mean, they've done a few now in the past. They've done a, a smash. Um, a Simcoe smash. Yep, Simcoe well. smash. Because I think, I think their first smash beer was just a Cascade. Oh, yeah. I think, if I remember for the for the hop in it. But then they had a Simcoe smash, which was their, for the Simcoe hop. They are, they do have a standard IPA out for yeah. their brew house series, which is good. But nothing like to write home about compared to their other brew house beers. Um, so they've, you know, they've dabbled every now and then. Um, but honestly, kind of like with Armageddon, uh, I don't really like when they branch out from Belgian beers. Like, that's your wheelhouse and you do it so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Just stick to that. So when they come out with these weird hybrid smoked porter bullshit... It's like this is not what I want from you. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same with Genesee. As much as one, as much as they're one of my favorite brewers, and I love their beer. Stick to more like German style, like pilsners and lagers and Scotch ale, like stuff like that. It's more in your wheelhouse. So when they announced today that one of the new their their new winter seasonal that they're going to be doing, because now they have a season, they're going to have a seasonal for every year. They're having a Schwartz beer. That's great. Super excited. I can't wait. Can looks amazing. Yeah, it looks can be- looks awesome. Looks beautiful. And the way they, you know, they nailed their Oktoberfest and their Ruby Red, it's going to be great. It's like, who gives a shit about the Bach anymore? Mm-hmm. used to be their only seasonal beard. They just released it in the spring. Now it's like, they're on a roll. They know what they're doing. So. Yeah. I'm excited for the Schwartz beer. We'll have it on here when we can get it. Oh, don't worry. I'll be hunting it down. Yeah. Hopefully soon. Um, but yeah, I would say, if, um, if you find it, try it. It's just... And if you ha- can't find it, just try other different juicy IPAs or hazy IPAs, Nipahs. See what you think. You know, yeah. again, I'm start- I've said plenty of times in here before that I'm fucking sick and tired of IPAs. Well, that starting to expire. I'm kind of getting back more into feeling more up to them. Not like always going for them, but, you know, because I love my variety of beer. Um, but you'll give them a shot. I'm more open to now trying new things. Again, as I said, like every year, it's getting harder and harder for them to fucking reinvent the wheel. You can only do so much, but as long as they probably start keep dis- you know discovering new fucking hops and you know cross pollinating and stuff like that, they'll forever be you know yeah doing it. So who knows what next year will bring? But apparently, this is the style of the year. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. All right, let's get into Halloween 2018. We got a lot to talk about. It's going to be a doozy of an episode. Sure, we got a lot to talk about. Um, I think I did write down, and we did this for Colt's Exploitation. Uh, Michael and I did a little Michael list. Myers. Of, list of huh? Michael Myers. Yes, yes. He's, he's, he, that's what he's been doing in his spare time. Yeah, he's been writing for Colt's Exploitation. He, blo- right. he blogs. You know, that's why he's quiet. He's just keeping all his thoughts to himself, so he can just write away. You know, that's right. By the way, one thing that's going to date this film in like 10 years probably, mm-hmm. or 15, podcasting. Yeah. I did think about that. <laughs> it's funny I, that you brought it up. We'll talk about it. I don't know why they couldn't right just say, I just say like, why they're just investigative journalists. Like, no. Oh, and you know what we should start out with? Just real quick. If you're listening right now, you should expect spoilers. We're, we're going to have spoilers in this episode. It's hard not to talk about spoilers and generally, hopefully, you've seen the film by now. If you as haven't you're listening to this, well, so well, and if you haven't, go see it. Exactly, but but from this point on, there's going to be spoilers. So just if you if you haven't seen it, stop listening right now. You're not gonna you're not gonna <laughs> like 
going on forward and we ruin everything for you. And then we don't want to get emails about it. So just <laughs> stop listening now. All right. So with that said, we'll, we'll talk about the podcasters right now. Yeah, let's do it. So the opening, it's, um, we head back to Smith's Grove, Sanitarium. Sanitarium. So one of the words we've been constantly talking about throughout the podcast, you know, being like, ooh, that's back and forth, Sanitarium Asylum. Ter- a terribly dated word, but they, nope, they're sticking to their guns. Place has gotten churched up quite a bit in the past 40 years. It's not like industrial anymore. No, it actually looks like an actual hospital. Yeah, they have people running it too. Yeah. This this time, there, there's not like a graveyard shift all the time yeah. here. Skeleton crew. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, and there's these two British uh, uh, investigative journalists who are podcasters. I find that, you know, anybody, we could go out and say we're what? film investigative journalists. And yeah, I mean, where's your credentials, though? Investigative journalist. Well, I, apparently they must be well enough, you know, yeah. well known enough to. I'd ask for some credentials myself, which I find like, funny because I do know there are. I mean, there's a podcast for fucking everything. I I understand that, but do pe- do people really like for news like stories? For news stories, no. But I think what they're going for, especially in this case, with in the in 2018, like and as ex- you said, it's sort of dated. They're going for like that serial aspect, the serial podcast or um So it's like unsolved mysteries, but sort of. Yeah, exactly. Like they're going around and and a big thing now on podcast 2 is uh like murder podcasts. Podcasts about specific murder stories in oh, the news. So, so they, and and so it's I think that's what they're going for. And and they saw how to make a murderer and like we could do this but we don't have right, a camera e- for exactly. it. So we'll just serial how to make a murderer um you know, there's a there's a few di- uh, like there's a lot of different podcasts now. No, I know, no, that I do get, that sort no, of I get, I, I understand. There's a podcast for everything. I mean, my niche is I, the only podcast I really listen to is like wrestling podcasts, just because I find them fun and entertaining to listen to. And it helps me keep up on what's going on in the wrestling world. Because when it comes to like WWE, I don't really watch it anymore. I don't, I can't be asked to watch three hours of Raw. Sorry, just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, and I do listen to, like, other, like, historical podcasts. Like, you know, Dan Carlin does a really good one. Um, but, like, just, like, for, like, like, a news, like, type thing, it just... It's more about the, um, the nitty-gritty of the a story. special murder story. Yeah. I think that's what they're going for. And I think you're right, though. That's really going to date this film moving on. Because at some point, it, podcasting is probably going to be, like, VHS tapes. No, of course. Um, Everything and, eventually, you know. You know and, and, and I think it is going to date it. But it's funny because I, I will say that the podcasting element sort of comes off as um, a little cliche at this point. Because this it's been done before with this podcasting element of people going out, they're investigative journalists, and they're trying to get a story. I think it was, it was actually done in the Scream TV series that just aired not too long ago about a podcaster who was documenting the murders that happened in the scream tv show um and so i i found that a little cliche but what you get is podcasters who are there to sort of this expose the rest of the halloween mythology and catch viewers that aren't really following what's happening in the halloween series it's there to catch them up and say oh yeah remember Halloween 2 through Resurrection didn't happen. Rob Zombie's film in the garbage. <laughs> uh, we're we're just going with that's, Halloween that, that's 1. It, that's from Earth 20. Like, you know, yeah. like, distant Earth like <laughs> in the multiverse, you know. We don't talk about it, we, yeah. you know. Did, we <laughs> that happened in a in a different uh, different time zone or a t- different uh, 
uh, universe. So, and we'll talk about the, the whole how how it doesn't connect to Halloween too, and whether or not we think that's a good idea in a bit. Right. But I mean, but I think that's what those podcasters are there for at the beginning. Is it's to a, say like, oh yeah, forget about the others. Mm-hmm. We're only talking about. Halloween one. Look, I think it's a good idea. I just think, like, instead of saying, po- just again, just say we're investigative journalists. Yeah, that's fine. The, we don't need to know yeah, what, because we even, don't need we don't need to know what paper they work for, right. or like what like, like what kind of TV show or TV station. The fact that they're nice, just British people, I could just truly assume they work for BBC Three. You sure. know, yeah. like, they're just they're doing, doing a nice beat. Yeah, you know, who cares? But I mean, it's it is slow the whole build up, but I do think it's. An interesting idea. The only problem I have with the whole approach of it is the... Which I can't be asked, na- bothered to know the names of those two poor British people. Um, uh, yeah, I, that's a good question. I don't really know it. I think... Oh, it's um, Aaron and Dana Okay, are the two. So, very bland. You don't, don't need to know names. But... <laughs> Which they do come off across from the intro of this, like, like they're going to be our protagonists. Kind of, yeah. Like, they kind of... Like, you're come, following them. Yeah, because yeah. it does follow them for a little bit afterwards, but... So, Aaron, like, is a terrible journalist from the way he handles his, like, trying to coerce... That's why they're podcasters. I know, but it's just like, he's like, just, just terrible, you know, yeah. just like, Michael. Because they, when they go out into the yard, there's these little squares where the... Inmates of the asylum are allowed they're to sort of like chained, chained in there like yeah. dogs. Yeah, and they're that's, they're only allowed to be in that space. They do get their fresh air though, so they're they're progressive. And you can't enter that square. So he's like just slowly creeping up on the square, getting as close as he can. And he's like, Michael, talk to me, Michael. Why did you kill them, Michael? Yeah. What about this? And then he like pulls out like you know the mask. He got from a, a favor yeah. from the attorney general's office. Yeah. So again, apparently got some strings somehow. But yeah. So like the whole and lot. then it's like and just like him yelling at him to answer him, which it does lead into the how it goes to the title card. I do like that, but I'm just kind of bitching. This is me being very nitpicky here. It's like don't think you're good. You know, I don't know if a Walter Cronkite would be. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and again too. Um, that leads us to the whole uh, Dr. Sartain, who... Not uh, Dr. Loomis. Like, like, Non-Dr. Loomis. Like Arabian Dr. Loomis. Yeah. Who, um, at that point, does seem like a little questionable. Because it's like, you're you're letting this one journalist rile up the entire prison yard of all... He, he even says, step lightly, don't underestimate anybody in there. Tie your fucking shoe, Aaron. <laughs> and and then at that point, he lets Aaron go off and just start yelling at Michael Myers. I almost think this... With the mask. I think from the way it was kind of shot, I mean, it's supposed to be like a fake out. Like, maybe Michael has psychic powers. It's supposed like, to be like the ge- the generation of evil. Like, right? Like yeah, the, like the man... Evil yeah. is, is sort of so like, like yeah, presented. So like, so like the evil or psychic power, and it's riling up all, you know, the other... Yeah. So, but I'm just surprised that as a doctor, he was like, sure, this is fine. Well, after, Big deal. well, after what we see later on. Right, exactly. It makes sense. It's, but at the time, you're like, like questioning him and like, what kind of doctor would allow this sort of thing? Well, he is Sam Loomis's student, so. It's true. You know, he followed his work, you know, religiously. I like, I like so, how he So Loomis probably, probably would be like, yeah, fucking spook him. Even Give in, him the talk. He's a he, bastard. Even in that scene, Dana sort of like glances back at Dr. Sartain and is like, 
you okay with this? Like, is this something that we should be doing? He's like, let it go, let it go. Let let it go. It's fine. See what happens. The guards have to deal with those prisoners. I'm going back to my office after this. No big deal. Um, The other thing, too, is that the whole prison yard sort of looks like fucking out at Half-Life or something. Like a Half-Life level. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like with all the blocks, geometric blocks. And there's a yellow line that cuts off the geometric blocks. And, yeah, it looks like a Half-Life level. Looking for, like, you know, Lambda signs and... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, physics-based puzzles with yeah. the gravity gun. Like, oh, where do I lift this, you know? So I will say that uh, one of the things that I thought could have been improved about Halloween was this scene, or the lead-up scenes at the beginning of the film that sort of, tend, with especially with the podcasters, that tend to bog down the first half of the film. Um, the podcasters themselves, I feel like really, though they're like fodder, basically... They generally end up being fodder. Um, they they don't really add enough to the film besides giving a, the audience a catch-up. Like, if you weren't following along with Halloween and you didn't know when you went into it, uh, disregard all the rest of the sequels, they're a good fit for you because they're going to say, they give you all that exposition. Michael, you know, he's been in this prison ever since and, you know, he doesn't have his mask and we're, you know, it's kind of leading up to all of that about... This is the mythology behind this Halloween movie. At the same time, I feel like if you didn't follow along with, you know, all of the information that came out about the Halloween film before you went to see it, then that's your fault. And, you know, well, you didn't do your research and just you either have to go with it and be like, I don't know what's going on. Why didn't, you know, where's the curse of Michael Myers and why is Paul Rudd's not still here in some, somewhere showing <laughs> Where's up? Where's Ant-Man? Showing up in a sweater and lurking around during Halloween night. But well, sidebar, kind of going off of that, because I forgot to have, because I wish we did this the night of, because I would have been full of piss and vinegar. Yeah. Um, We saw this movie in a full house. Yeah. In our tiny-ass little town. Really surprising. It's mm. never full. Never happens. Mm-mm. I've seen Star Wars films on opening days, like all the Marvel films. Never been that packed. Place was fucking packed. This was a nine o'clock show too. Yeah, it was a Friday, but still. Yep. About eighty percent of the people in there, kids. Yeah. Teenagers. This has got to be one of the worst. <laughs> experiences in a movie theater ever and ryan can attest to it there was so much just loud of not i felt like i seriously did feel like the loud like it felt like an old man with like the loud obnoxious just people talking there was one like eight-year-old singing in front of us like what's going on you know and like shut up oh they're laughing at me guy in front of us snoring past you know passed out People being loud. There's one part in the film where they're getting ready for like a jump scare, and a guy just goes, "Ah!" Like, in, like as loud as he possibly can. Like, geez, it was so terrible. Yep, it was so annoying. But that's just our, like our viewing experience in the theater. I'm kind of going off with that because you were saying if as if you're coming to see this film, and you're like, "What's going on?" Shame on you for not knowing. Well, I can almost assume most of the people probably didn't know what the fuck was going on. Because afterwards, we sat around to watch the end credits and we were talking about the film. And we are bringing up points. And this one teenager and his girlfriend and his friend are sitting there like, Dude, these guys are fucking professional over here talking about this movie. And I go, do you like the movie? He goes, yeah, man. It's really cool. 
Which I, I didn't know, like, the whole, like, uh, talking like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure became a thing again. Yeah. It's become a thing. And I was like, have you seen the other ones? Like, nah, dude, haven't seen them at all, bro. Maybe you should go see them. Righteous, where do I see these films? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, where you're do like, you see them? You're like 16 years, you don't know how to, I'm like, I don't know, bootleg them. Like, it's just internet, it's... Where do I... I know, that was that a pretty just, funny question. That, that blew Where my, do I see them? And, like, you were going to sit there and be like, Oh, I got the I got the address right here. Uh, it's www.openlocker.com. <laughs> you know, and you go to... You, hey, you know what you can do? You go down to the arterial, you go to Video World and rent a couple of movies. Yeah, right. Because they're older. Instead of three days, you get five. You know. Remember that? Those, I know. Remember those days? Yeah, it, it, was just, it was just kind of funny is, like, you know, if it's not on Netflix now, where do you go watch them? Which, I think four five, four and five have been on Netflix. They have been, yeah. But the point was that this kid hadn't even seen the original Halloween, so he really had no idea at all what... I mean, if you're... It does make sense, though, for, like, high school students, because it's also, you know, like, ooh, get, you know... Yeah. Yeah. Get to take, you know, go to the movie. But, yeah, I'm just kind of blown away that, like, most of the people in that movie theater are, like, 15 years old. Yeah, didn't know anything about it. I got ID'd yeah. when we were, like, 20 going to see, like, Jackass 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a miserable experience. I went to see it a second time after that, and I had a much better experience. There was no one in there. It was it was great. Uh, that's that's the that's the whole thing, too, about, like, you know, not living in a city. And sometimes, sometimes it is nice to see a film with a big audience. Well, I think if this film would really work to it. Because, like, seeing Clerks 2, we had, it wasn't a full theater surprise, you know. It was actually, like, half full. Which is surprising. Yeah. But, you know, the people's laugh, you know, like especially the comedies and horror films, they lend itself to the audience participating with the proper at the proper moment. Yeah. Th- this time, though, it was just a total shit show, and everyone was just fucking gabbing. Like, there are girls behind us going like, bitch, you're going to die. Bitch, you don't fucking go in there. You're going to die. It's like, I wanted to turn around and be like, have you seen Scream 2? Mm. This is why you get killed in Scream 2 in the beginning. Because you're talking during the movie, people trying to watch Stab. Don't be that asshole running down the hall, the aisle way back and forth with the ghost face mask on shit. Sit your ass down and watch the goddamn movie. That's right. That's right. That's my little sidebar being an old grumpy man turning 30, but. But I think, uh, so getting back to that though, the podcasters, I think they could have cut out the podcasters altogether. You start at the bus crash. No. You really don't lose that much. No, because they're, I, 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 their death is pretty cool. Their death is pretty cool. And that kind of leads us into the other thing about Halloween is that. Though, you know, it does have those moments from the original Halloween that are sort of kills that are happen off screen, it's also pretty damn brutal in times. It's a brutal movie that um, showcases that you don't need the Jason-esque, like, ridiculous props or, you know, crazy kill scenes or, or, you know, environmental kills to make your slasher film. In this case, Michael Myers just basically uses brute force and finds random weapons that he can use on people. I would love to see someone take some of the kills in this, and especially the one where he goes like into the, walks into the garage mm-hmm. and like adds like, "If I had a hammer." Yeah, right. It's, Which I did love that because it's like, "Oh, hammer, yeah, exactly." Hammer grabs, walks in. Oh, person, but dead. Oh, I know that knife. Knife. <laughs> Yeah, it you is. Know, he's just... he's, yeah, it's. I like this this part of the film that it's brutal when it wants to be, but that it's also not super out of. It's not ridiculous in what Michael's doing. Like he's not doing things that are out of character. He's not like in the, the sequels doing ridiculous kills just for the sake of it to be creative. 
the kills. Like you, using a fucking jack pole to stab a guy. Right, exactly. Like shish exactly. Bomb and- He's not being outlandish, and there's no. It's not that it's not creative, but it's not just. It's not ridiculous for the sake of it. Well, because. And also, because again, they got rid of Halloween too. So it's back to basics. What's Michael's motive? He's just an unstoppable, you know, he's just a killing machine. He kills for the sake of killing. Why? Don't know. Don't need to know. And it's literally, in this film, they Gord- and that, David Gordon Green makes him into a machine. Just a total, again, because that's one of the, it's something I wish I didn't see in the trailer. Like the one trailer, like, where like, he's out on trick-or-treating and the kids yeah, run and, into him. Yeah. And then you just see him kind of, like, look down and then, like, quickly turn and, like, just robotically, you know. It's kind of like, like you know, fucking RoboCop. Just like, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I like that. It's really cool, and it's, you know, builds on much further than the first film went. But that's something I wish they didn't put into the. I do think that they ruined some of the elements of this film with the trailer sequence, like that whole sequence where he do- where it's a long cut of him walking in, grabbing the hammer, going into the kitchen, straight out of Halloween two, bludgeoning her with a hammer. All that was shown in the trailer. It was way too much. They shouldn't have shown that much in the trailer because then it kind of ruins the whole aspect of seeing it during the movie. But it did cut out the best part of the scene, which is that that scene doesn't end there. Keeps going. It keeps going with a very long cut of the camera following Michael through the house, through outside the house, by another house, watching another woman straight out of Halloween 2. And it's a great moment. That I think works really well because not only does it have this unbroken view of the violence and butchery that Michael Myers can do, it also really captures Halloween in this film too. Because a lot of times you had with the Halloween sequels, those films were not very good at actually showing that this takes place on Halloween. Sure, they said, oh, it's on Halloween, and Michael Myers is getting out on Halloween. There might have been a couple decorations here and there, or a jack-o'-lantern, but they weren't really trick good. Trick-or-treating at 1 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. trick-or-treating at 1 so that you know, oh, okay, it's Halloween. Um, but they weren't really good at showcasing the actual holiday. Here, though, a lot of stuff takes place before and after Halloween, like the actual trick-or-treat time of Halloween. It does spend a lot of time on the actual Haddonfield trick-or-treat session that you see it, like, in full. You see all the jack-o'-lanterns. You see people, kids out trick-or-treating. It's great. There's actually cold and has... It's actually, yeah, it's actually cold. They have... leaves and... I think, and um, I'm stealing from Red Letter Media off this, one of the things that they have in here is actually, like, a high school Halloween dance. Yeah. And they're like, that's Not smart. that you see often. And as I say, it's smart, because for they even said, for film a film franchise called Halloween... For the most part, it's lacked a lot of Halloween things. It's about goddamn time they did something like that. You know? I don't believe that this is a regular high school. Haddonfield, Haddonfield, Illinois, has this fucking uh, EDM DJ that has a goddamn Frankenstein uh, mixer. I don't believe it. What kind of what kind of high school has that? Maybe we're just growing up in it. I mean, we grew up in a rural town, but it seems like Haddonfield's in in past movies. Haddonfield's a pretty rural town as well but they had a college they did but i just don't i don't buy it i don't buy that this is a real high school what kind of budget did they have for that guy well no because as we saw later when they went to um jamie uh lee curtis's family was at like that restaurant it's like this fancy restaurant and they walk out and it's like man that's a busy ass fucking street yeah it doesn't really look like haddonfield from what we've seen 
Especially even when they, like in the original Halloween where they drive through town yeah. and they see the, the mask store, the costume store that's been broken into by Michael. Um, that All that stretch seems like very sort of a deserted rural city town. I would say more like just like a, a suburban. Yeah, suburbia, like suburban, just, suburban town. Whereas what you get now, Haddonfield's really grown up. One thing we forgot to mention, well, not forgot to, because they all get mentioned, but I think before we get even thicker into the weeds, after that first scene, you got, you know, the guy yelling, Michael! Cuts to the title card mm-hmm. and the credits. Yeah. Fuck. that. See, we've been bitching about that throughout the entire franchise, like, outside of Halloween 1 and 2. Obviously, the first one sets the standard, and then 2, you know, they do the same thing. Everything else is, like, such a drag. I mean, at least Halloween 3, they did the computer screen. Yeah, they had this, their own version of the the pumpkin. But, you know, it's not nowhere near as good as 1 and 2. 4 is just like a fucking cornfield. Like, oh! And then 5 was nothing. And then 6 is just, like, this the most generic early 90s style title card and sequence ever. Here, it's like, you got the Halloween, and then you got the pumpkin, and the credits. But the pumpkin's already rotted. And then slowly coming back to life. So it's taking like the first film, the like you know the pumpkin, and then slowly melting away. And now it's like getting rebuilt back up. It's been forty years. Fucking great. It's that's great. How, that's how, that's the little attentions to detail that like if you're a fa- like fan of the fran again. I said like one of the things that you could you could say is a bad thing about this film is that it panders too much to all the fans the to, fan to the fan that just, they're, they're making a film that, a safe film essentially because they're like okay you know again like I said the whole Force Awakens approach is to the same shit but kind of subvert certain things so you can you know but it works here or at least it worked for me that that was awesome I loved it and you, you know had like you know the Halloween theme but it's little, oh yeah it was perfect little, it was little a little changed up it was and, a perfect representation of like the original Halloween and then just changed slightly had the same font. Even yeah. the font was was perfectly spot on. spot on to where you what you would expect from the original Halloween. It, it was great. It's just a great detail, and that was something that even if they like had no other mentions of other Halloween films, if they only had that credit sequence, it would have been just perfect as it was. Um, so yeah, the credit sequence itself is really great. I think it gives everybody a little chill when they see the mm-hmm. Halloween credit pop up and then the pumpkin coming back to life. It's that that was an awesome detail that they included in this. Um <clears throat> one thing I wanted to bring up and I'm going to kind of go through some of the questions that Michael and I answered on Coltsploitation um that I sort of I came up with to try to focus conversation cuz sometimes like when you get into a film there's so much to talk about in Halloween 2018 that it's like how do you focus on one thing? Maybe like doing what we're doing right now, jumping exactly, all Exactly, like, jumping all over the place. So let's focus a little bit. Uh, one of the questions that I asked was, um, what was one of your favorite scenes from this movie? Ooh, that's a toughie. Um, I guess one of my favorite scenes would be the, the dinner sequence. Um, so after a little while, you get to, we get to see Lori. In all her glory, because mm-hmm. the podcasters come and visit her and try to get information from her. Give her three thousand dollars, which I said was I think, probably this. I think five thousand. No, it's three. Oh. Saw it twice, so I know it's three. <laughs> it's three thousand dollars, the same amount that they uh, gave to Lori or to give to Jamie Lee to come back to Halloween H two O. 
Well, she's probably promised, promised like three million. And yeah. Then like, ah, oh, we only have like three thousand. She's like, yeah, fuck. I'm it. ready for my money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So in this film, we get to follow three generations of Strodes. You got Jamie Lee Curtis. You got her daughter, uh, played, Karen, played by Judy Greer. Yep. And then her granddaughter, um, and mainly though. Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter uh, is kind of there. She's not really a focal point until the end. Mm-hmm. It's more the Allison. connection. It's yeah. more yeah, the more the connection between Jamie Lee Curtis and Allison. And Allison's just made like on a roll, and she's going out with her family and to also introduce her new boyfriend. And they're going to a fancy restaurant to celebrate, and she wants Grandma to come. But her mom lied to her and said, like, oh, she can't come. She's too busy, you know. Even though we've already heard throughout the film that um, Karen doesn't really like her mom because of all her psychological trauma that she has and what that, that she's imprinted onto her because of it. And obviously Allison's dad doesn't like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis either, you know. He kind of seems like he's had probably enough of fighting that fight, and he's just like, "Fuck it, I'm done with that." Um, so, anywho, he's tr- she's trying to get Jamie Lee Curtis to come to this dinner to celebrate and beat her boyfriend, and her mom lied to her about it, which pisses her off. And though Jamie Lee Curtis says she's not going to come, she does show up because she's at this point a shell of a woman. She doesn't like to leave her house. It's her house is a compound now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's got it is, you know. Yeah. It's got fucking fence lights on the front. Yeah, uh, it's blocked off. You have to use a code to enter. Yeah, she she looks like somebody who's you know waiting for the commies to attack any time now. Do you think she has a uh, like a bomb shelter too somewhere in there? After this film ending, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but no. So she, Jamie, and we do see like. And you can feel for Jamie Lee Curtis because she really, you know, as Laurie Strode, she really does show that, like, her mind has been obsessed with Michael Myers for 40 years. That she, you know, and trying to, like, in fear that he's going to come back to attack her. And so she spent the rest of her life preparing herself and her family for Michael to come back. And she can't really grip with that. And so when she's in public... And goes to the diner, you know, to visit them. She's just got done, like, wa- watching Michael getting transferred out of the sanitarium. Because they're moving Michael from the sanitarium. And you get to watch her really struggle. And then just watch, like, the conflict that she has within herself. But not only herself, that her family's having with her and not wanting to deal with it. But that her granddaughter being understanding and trying to help her out. And how... Just how that whole dynamic works really well for me. Honestly, though, that scene that's was... Act, that's acting that you would not have seen at all in any of the other Halloween right. films. You know, that's, that's a layer that's, you know, a lot deeper than any of the films would ever bother to gotten to. I actually felt that that scene was pretty interesting, too, because it sort of... It makes, um... It makes you think, too. Obviously, both Karen and her husband are not being very supportive at all of, of Lori in this case like because sure we know that Lori's been putting people up with have been has been doing a lot of bullshit things recently especially because of her her own neuroses 
At the same time, though, Michael is, like, literally being moved on this day. So they're not think, really, help, like... I don't think they knew about it, though. They didn't no, know. I think they did, though, because she says it ran over. Like, as... Well, no, because they, they play the pronoun game. What do you mean? Well, they do, like, the whole, like, the, the pro, like pronoun game. Like, because they do the same thing, too, when... Michael breaks out. She shows up to the house instead of saying, uh, right, Michael right. Myers is Not safe. Really saying, yeah. She plays the pronoun game of like, they've got, he's gotten away, we have to get ready. And they're I, like, I who? Feel- and, what? and they don't ever get to explain it. So it's the same thing in that scene too when she's trying to talk about Michael Myers getting transported. She doesn't say Michael Myers has been transported. He's going to escape. He, she like plays the pronoun game. So yeah. again, why would they have the patient? I felt like they would know, I felt like they would have known that they would have been transporting him. But regardless, I just felt like they weren't being very supportive of her at all at that point. Although, it basically, that is before you actually find out, like, what Karen's been through. That she's basically been raised in a boot camp of, like, training every single day as a kid. But, it make, I mean, it makes sense, though. Again, I feel... I understand, like, wanting to support Lori and, like, you know, and what's going on. Thing is, though, 20, like... 25, 30 years of, like, having to deal with that and trying to, I can imagine that you'd be like, enough, You're enough. sick. Yeah, you're sick of it. Like, sick I, of like, 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 and like, you, like, obviously you've tried and you can't, someone else had, obviously, like, you know, Lori would have to see an actual therapist, mm. you know, but I, I can, you know, imagine and relate a bit to that as well, like, dealing with that and at a certain point being like, you know, it's. What the fuck do you want me yeah, to do? Yeah, I do like how bringing up some of the things from that, the film sort of circumvents the way that Michael would normally be viewed in the original Halloween. And so when Allison's at school, she looks out the window, and in the original Halloween, Lori would have looked same, out and seen Michael. that same boring-ass English, you know. Yeah, PJ Souls is the one that delivers that uh, English uh, line about fate. And she was uh, in yeah. the first one. So, yeah. um, but in that scene, though, you know, in the original, Lori would have looked out and seen Michael. In this one, Allison looks out and sees Lori, and it's kind of an interesting transition of saying like they're sort of connected. You no, know? and and that's sort of the theme of Halloween 2018 as well is that predator and prey are sort of connected at this point, especially over 40 years, and. That's what Dr. Sartain is really looking to study is like that connection between them is what keeps them going and what keeps, first of all, Laurie still fighting and Michael still alive for whatever reason, even though he shot six times and, you know, basically went to prison and has been staring at nothing his entire life. So I do find that really interesting. And I think your scene does bring that up quite a bit that this is Laurie. She's super damaged. Um, she's damaged her family. She's damaged Karen mm-hmm. in some ways. Karen's been able to sort of overcome that with a super goofy husband who jokes oh, about getting God. peanut butter on his penis. But... Jesus, isn't he like um, low rent? Um... Shit. Drawing... No, he kind of reminds well, oh, William Macy. Oh, yeah. He, he's he like, he's reminds like, me he does, of... I mean, he's good, but he does remind me of like, you know, like they tried to get William Macy. You kinda, Couldn't get him. So. Kind of reminds me of the dudes from Cabin in the Woods, the guys who are placing bets on who's gonna die in the cabin. Um, they, he has that sort of humor about him. 
Um, but I think like that whole scene, the dinner scene, is a really good example that's of something you wouldn't have gotten for sure in H2O of like a dynamic character study. Because what do you get in H2O? Adam Arkin fucking <laughs> chewing on something. Uh, and and Laurie during sex saying, I want to tell you something. I'm going to kill your boner here. My brother killed my sister. It, and, you know, I think... Which, by the... And this is, I saw this in like another review. Would Lori really call him his her brother? Oh right, like in this in this film, she does say quite a bit. My brother, yeah, and it, like like yeah. like uh, when like who's that? That's my brother. I doubt she, yeah. you know, yeah, but, yeah. No, I I I I question that as well. You probably would not have like, a, familial endearment yeah, no. to him. You'd be like that's, that's a fucking psychopath. That's, that's a shit bag. That's yeah. you know like hey, you know. Yeah, I, I, but I like your scene. I like I like the scene that you that you. Uh, I went the with. more serious thespian route. I was surprised. I thought you were gonna go with like when the kid in the truck gets his head bashed in. I mean, there's like a that. but <laughs> there's a lo- look. There's a lot of good ones. And I don't want to like pick like a kill- killing scene or whatever because that's and I'll bar you. Don't pick a killing scene because um, you're barring me from that too. Well, yes, because we're gonna eventually talk about. The killings overall. Pretty sure I didn't pick. A, uh, yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, so I'm just saying. Yeah. So, so you don't, you yeah, know, no, bleed fine. into a different topic, Mister. I'm gonna ask a question. Yeah. So mine actually goes along with yours. It, it's not a killing scene, but it is the end scene <clears throat> because the end scene has three gen- these three generations of Strodes who c- have now come together and they're like, "I'm sick of this shit. We're <laughs> fucking done with this, Michael." Like. Give it up, and and basically they all get their their uh, their licks in. They they get a, a a strike in each. I did, and I really like that. I did really like the whole when um, Karen like I can't like she has the gun trying to lure Michael down the stairs so she so I can't do it. I I almost because did. For, they, they I almost, almost did make you think, think that like because like, she's Greer does play it up, and they did it throughout the film sort of make Karen just a little bit annoying. Because don't you love it when Laurie stands up on the stairs and is like Karen. Basically, just saying, shut the fuck up, Karen. Yeah. Just knock it <laughs> off. Do you think they named her Karen so it could be like the, like the memes, like shut the fuck up, Karen? Right. Like, you yeah. Know? Exactly. Because that's basically what they do. Like Karen's going off, like I can't find Allison. Can you find Allison? Go out there. Why aren't you? Why are you standing there? Why aren't you? And Laurie just stands up and is like, "Fucking Karen, shut, shut the fuck up, Karen. We'll find her." <laughs> yeah, I did like that. I mean, Wait, but yeah, she was like, so what was she playing up like the entire time, being like, "Oh, I don't know if I can do right, this." Right. Like, like or. Or is it just in that moment, like, it all clicked for her? I think what happens for, with Karen is that, is that she's is that kind part- of pushed that part of her life aside. And so it takes a little time for her to get back into it. You know, that's, like, been, like, I'm imagining Karen hasn't been doing street fighting on the side <laughs> the rest of her life since she grew up. You know what I mean? So She joined Fight Club Yeah, exactly. So I, th- I feel like she pushed that aside. And as she, like, she's now being chased and hunted by the shape, she's now sort of coming into that persona of herself that she's kind of pushed away. But yeah, no, that was awesome. When like, it seemed like she couldn't do it. It's like, no, gotcha, bitch. It was pretty funny. It just just made me think of like, like Chappelle show's like, gotcha, bitch. And just fucking plugs right into it. It was pretty funny because in my theater, when I saw it the second time, people were like, oh man, come on. What do you mean? You can't do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it really got them. So it was pretty, it was actually pretty funny. And that's, that's sort of a time when you want people to react to yeah. your film like out loud because it's like, oh man, don't do that. And our, it was more like they were just laughing, like for no reason. So 
But uh, yeah, that's a that's a great scene as well of, of her just pretending. And, and, and again, too, it sort of gets rid of that um, that issue with female characters in films of being like super weak. There's one scene that I felt like they probably didn't do so hot with that, and that's during the bathroom scene with Aaron and Dana, where Dana is like super. She doesn't do anything. She picks up a crowbar and then holds it close to her as, as Michaels bashes people's brains in and then, <laughs> you know, like snaps her neck against the wall. But uh, now, kind of going off of that, what did you think of Michael dropping the teeth into? Uh, yeah, so the saw. the teeth was. Always did you think? So- did you think that's? I mean, that's also in the trailer, you know. Right, right. The teeth was something that I saw in the trailer that I was like, I don't like that much at all. Um, because it felt too Rob Zombie-esque. And it does almost feel like it's a, sort of a... An homage? An, yeah, or I don't know if I want to say that word, but like just a reference. <laughs> I don't want to say that they're giving it like an homage to uh, yeah, it's part Zombie, of the, you but might, it's, it's a reference because, to Zombie. Because, as we talked about, Michael's just, a, he's a machine. Mm-hmm. He's just on a killing rampage. He doesn't seem like, outside of that one little bit... Like, he has any interest in putting fear into the hearts of the people that he's stalking. Not really. So that whole bit of him doing that is out of character. Yeah. For what he is. Yeah, it's it's uh, sort of too torture porn-esque for me. I mean, it's not even that gruesome, like, gross, but, right. like, no, I, I agree. Like, if he was, if he actually had, like, a, like a sinister character where he's, like, enjoys. Like, because we don't even think, I don't even think, like, from watching this film... He enjoys what he's doing. It's he's just hardwired. He's just you know mm-hmm. they say he's like fucking Robocop walking around half the time, just you know, stalking Hadfield. So I don't think I mean maybe he does, but from what we see, it's not like anything that's explicitly or said or implied. So you that to me did feel, you know. Yeah, that's that is an out of place scene that because that one is almost like he enjoys stalking. He really wouldn't at that point. In most other scenes. And some people have referenced, because um, I did post about it, some people referenced in the first film when he dresses up as Bob with the ghost sheet on. I still well, don't but, yeah, but feel we, like that's the same. Yeah, but we even said, like, when we reviewed Halloween, that scene sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, it is different from the rest of the elements. Like, yeah. it doesn't make sense for him to do that. I, I think even in that, though, like, him dropping teeth versus him dressing up so that he can get close to PJ Souls in that scene, two different things. The teeth... Not really any, like, I mean, he could have just bu- busted down the door and it would have been the same. I don't think that's really toying with the victim in the same way that the ghost sheet is. In the ghost sheet, he's really doing it just to get up there and, you know, trick PJ Souls into thinking that it's Bob. So I think there are two different scenarios. That don't but even really still, I don't think him tr- having a mind to trick is something. That's true. Again, like, I... He would have just walked, if, if it was, you know... More like this character, film. yeah. He should have just walked in there and just stabbed, stabbed her. her. Yeah, yeah. No, but which is what th- this film goes more because that's not really even explored that much at all in the first film. Like you could assume from the first film that he would do something like that because we don't know like what his mindset's like. But, True. But again, from this film, from the again, very deliberate when he runs into those two trick or treaters and just looks down and like turns like, eh, 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 yeah, eh, you know, nah, that is a great though the way that. He does that, turning, seeing the knife, and just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, grabbing it. It's very robotic. I like the it. A thing, lot. Yeah, same thing with the hammer. No, I love it too. Like if I didn't mention the scene, you know, the dinner scene that I mentioned, that would be like that long 
protracted shot would be like my, my favorite part of the movie because it's, it's just so well done. But no, like, and I, I do think this is, it does bring interesting discussion on his motives and stuff. I do enjoy the fact that he's more he's a man now. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, there is that their talk of evil, like a, a overpowering evil above him. But it I, does leave more question because Halloween too could went out with the same thing. But then you know Loomis had to open his goddamn mouth about pagan holidays and. You know, off to the races we go, but, you know. Yeah. But, no, I mean, like, so he does seem more like, like a man in this film, though his strength is questionable for a 60-year-old man. Why? Well, you know what? He's been working out at the prison. We do see He doesn't look it, though. Definitely hit leg day. Because <laughs> yeah, there like, are quite a few mm-hmm. scenes of him pummeling people with his legs or... Stomping a head in. Yes, crashing, crushing a skull. Uh, he's been doing leg work, for sure. He doesn't look it, though. No, I mean, yeah. it's just... But, he just looks like a normally built guy. But, I mean, like I guess I do like the, that they went back to... Ba- like I said, back to basics on, like, he's just a killing machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that works fine, especially because of all the kills he gets in here. It's great. The body count's high in this. It's awesome. Some happen off screen, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine for me because that's right on par with the original. Well, you don't need I to think, see them all as long as you know. Yeah, exactly. As you so as the, the, you can feel them all, right? I mean, the one that stands out to me is Dave, who is the the stoner boyfriend, and he you don't see his kill, but you do see him pretty much knifed to the wall, and you can feel that. I mean, he basically is just Did a little black kid die. No. He gets out. Oh, he ran. I, I thought I saw him like pinned to the wall. Like, no, no, no that's just Dave. Remember, he said, hey, Dave, you're going to get killed if you go up there. And uh, sure enough. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But I mean, even at the off screen kills, at least you see them so you can, you know, you can feel them too. Like, ooh, that sucks. You know, that's not, that doesn't look like a good way to die. How'd you feel about the poor, poor guy walking alley home after the dance? I, I actually, so that is really a funny scene because it seems like. That was a direct message to, like, all the nice guys out there who are like, I'm going to make a move on my friend because she's having a tough time and I think I'm going to be the nice guy and, and be a hero here. He totally gets no. rejected. And well, no, I think... totally rejected, but no, fucking the... mur- murdered well, here no, as the well. Ni- no, the nice guy wouldn't even bother to ask. He just... Pie. Well, he doesn't, though. I mean, he doesn't ask. He sort of just goes in for it. And then afterwards, he gets the shaft, but not, not in a good way. Fortune favors the bold grind. He was that's being bold, yeah. and it didn't. But it was yeah. pretty funny. I mean, I think that's again sort of indicative of the culture and the time of uh, the time of nice guys, and uh, it's, it's good. And the one good thing about that scene too is that it has the fucking best theme in the film right after it, which we played at the beginning of this episode. The shape hunts Allison. That theme is goddamn gold. I think I, everybody that I've seen talking about this movie has mentioned The Shape Hunts Allison as being the standout mm-hmm. theme of this film because it's a reversal of the hunting, the stalking theme from the original, and it just has so much power behind it played in that scene. It's it's Yeah, great. no, I told you as soon as I played, I'm like, oh, they took the stalking theme and they fucking inceptioned it up. It's yeah. amazing. Like, with that yeah, it's great. It's I think that that really resonates. And the other thing about that that um, theme is that they made sure not to overuse it because I pr- they use renditions of it, but the actual theme itself they don't go back to again. So they didn't overuse it. It's just a, just one really memorable moment in a film, and I think that's great. It's it's reason why the soundtrack from 
Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, and uh, Daniel Davies is one of the best soundtracks I've heard in a while because they don't overuse themes. They really went with both an homage to the original and then redid some themes, and uh, I think they all turned out really great. They used the stings at the right moment, too. Like when uh, Lori gets thrown off the roof. Yep. You know, her old ass. You're thinking, like, oh, she's dead. Yeah. And then, like... And they had the... And they, they still have those things, like... I don't know. Well, yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it was great. Because when Michael goes to check down, she's gone. You hear the... You know. Like, ooh, you clever girl. And the cool thing, too, about like the... I said, like, I, like I said, all you have to do is take the film and then, you know, subvert it in certain areas. That, yep. What do they do right there? Lori's, you know... Lori's the uh, predator, not the prey at this point. Yeah. The um the cool thing about the soundtrack too is that it's really almost totally a half of the film. So that means that the soundtrack itself is not overused either. So there's there's quite a few scenes that don't have a soundtrack or a, uh any music at all right, that is supposed to um generate some suspense. Lori going throughout her house with the shotgun going room to room and closing off every room. That's pretty much just quiet silent moments where she's just looking for Michael in her house. So it's uh, effective because they didn't overuse the score. Um, I thought they did a really good job. The score is probably one of my favorite elements of this film. Even though everything is really good about the film, the score itself, really dynamic. Stand out. Yeah. Um, so another question that I asked, uh, how do you feel about Michael skipping over the baby in the crib in that, long scene of him killing between house to house. Eh. Did it stand out to you at all? He didn't kill the baby. He's got a certain moral fiber, I guess. I don't know. So, I... 12-year-olds that like to dance instead of hunt, neck snapped. I Baby... I, <laughs> I think it might be more because if they did probably kill the baby, get slapped with, like, an X rating. I just feel like, um... Michael has no, like, there's no reason for him to kill this baby in this scenario. And throughout Halloween 1 and 2018, we do see Michael make a series of moral judgments. In the first Halloween, he doesn't kill those kids that bump into him that were um, bullying, um, uh, what's his name? The little kid. I think it's also, too, because um, though he's a killing machine... He does have tact about him because mm-hmm. he's be- he's again he's stalking. So right. instead of killing those two kids that bump into him, and you know in this film he wa- you know walks he, he off, lets gra- it go, yeah, grabs a weapon and you know does I it mean, where he's not going to get caught. Yeah, ca- because like, he if he's can't a kid, like prancing down the street, fucking <laughs> stabbing and just, everybody, and just yeah. you know knifing everybody. Yeah, so I don't think it's a moral decision. I think it's more. Necessity. It, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like most, and you can argue this because I don't know about this scene with the two, you know, when he kills the babysitter and stuff. Uh, but most of the kills that he does are out of necessity. It's like, you got in my way, and so I'm going to kill you. And then I feel like if he did, if he could say something in dialogue form, he'd be like, uh, no, you know, I, I, uh, no offense, sorry. I mean, you just got in my way. It'd be like sort of like a. But what's his? What are they in the way of? What's he trying to do? Well, I mean, in this film, the motive 
that they give and there's not much is just that he's seeking Lori again. It's put again and pray. See, okay. Wait, here's I brought this up to you while we were after the You want of, a motive. You want No, I don't know. Some, no, some I don't no, no, I don't need to have a motive. In fact, the fact that he doesn't have a motive is makes it even creepier. My problem is they're explicitly saying that he's coming back for Lori. I think, the problem yeah. is though if Halloween 2 didn't happen. Happen? Why? And the answer, you could be like, well, she's the one that got away. But again, how does he know she's still alive? How does he know, like, to go back to Haddonfield? How does he know any of that type of stuff? Agreed. It did the doc, the good old Doc whisper sweet enough? By the way, Lori's hiding in the compound. Yeah, you know? I you mean, know. he does set it up. So. No, but, I, but my point is, he only gets to Lori at the end of the film because a certain, the plot demands it. Which is, surprise, Arabian Loomis, he's crazy too. So he stabs the sheriff in the neck so he can take so he can take Michael to the Strode house to meet Lori to see if anything happens. And you know I, what happens? They have a fight to kill. Why? Because he's a killing machine. He's not, I, to me, that it has nothing to do with, well, I gotta kill Lori, it's war. Oh, she's in the way, and now she's trying to kill me. Yeah. So there's there's the tu- the tussle. Plot wise, it doesn't really like I said, it doesn't work for them to be saying like, well, sh- they're coming back for you. Well, I mean, everyone's telling Lori that he's not coming back for, her, but Lori believes it. The doctor believes it, and the two journalists believe it. I kind so so they're planting in your head the idea that well, Mike, why is Michael? Why did Michael break out of the bus? Because he's coming back for Lori. Which the only thing I can gather from that is then you have to extrapolate. Well, we don't get to see the bus crash, and the doctor was still alive. So the doctor had to have probably had a hand of getting Michael loose and probably saying something about where Lori was right, to right. give him an idea of where to go. Yeah. But at the same time, it's creepier if he doesn't have a motive. But if you ruin that with, well, he's trying to kill Lori, but they're not related anymore, that tied to th- that motive is very tenuous. I... I thinking about it now i think that you know it would it have been fine to leave the halloween to he's my brother thing in yeah i, I think, think it would have been fine well i i the think the problem with that is that the films end very similarly so well, that's you why you can't, can't have, do it yeah you can't have halloween 2 and then have halloween 2018 that ends very similarly and say this is the you know this is the one where we kill you know in in quotes kill off mike i mean halloween 2 i think they could have, and well, so we'll get into this topic of whether or not they should have used Halloween Two. I agree. I think they should have used Halloween Two, but there's nothing wrong with ignoring plot points from Halloween Two. Shit gets retconned all the time, for better or worse. So what could they have done? Totally recognize Halloween Two and what happens, but retcon out. There wasn't a hospital explosion. Just say he was managed to get subdued by the police or something. Yeah, or they oh, and, this. And, and the same thing about his tie to Lori. Just be like, uh, like what they said in this film. Oh, it's just a rumor that got made up. If you don't want to have that plot point, like, no, you know, they're, no, they're not actually related. That's just something that got, you know, people were feeding to the media, you mm-hmm. know, to explain what he was doing. You can easily just, bam, just exposit that away, but keep Halloween 2 in place. Because, again, as we talked about in that review, one of the great geniuses of Halloween 2, it picks up right after Halloween 1. Yeah. So I think it's perfectly fine to include the rest of the night. I think that, um, I, I see the motive a little bit better thinking about Dr. Sartan and what he's attempting to 
do here. And what the theme of the film is, is that you have this predator and prey. Don't trust your doctor. Somewhat, yeah, that, that too. Um, but you have this predator and prey somewhat, you know, there's also that tenuous connection like four and five sets out that there's some psychic connection here and that you have these two people who have for pretty much their entire life been antagonists to each other. And at, in Halloween 2018, Dr. Sartain wants to see what happens when you put them together as sort of like, are they like magnets opposites and they, or are they po- both positive charges and they fucking obliterate each other? I think that you have, um, you have like both of those ideas at play here. And I think that it works with the doctor. Um, I'm even fine with the doctor's twist. I- I'm fine with him not being a Loomis character because you can't really do that again. You can't have another guy who's, and even Lori brings it up. He's like, oh, she's like, oh, you're the new Loomis. You can't have another Loomis character and just have him be obsessed with Michael Mo- in the same manner again. No, I, I agree. I'm fine with that. I'm just saying the movie's trying to tell you like, oh, you know, he's going, she, he's just going after Lori. But nothing really, again, nothing really points to that. And it goes against the whole idea that he's just a killing machine. Why is he doing it? He's just a machine, hardwired to just kill. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you're right. It's more like people who got in the way. Did he have any reason to kill that 12-year-old boy in that truck? No. But he was there. Might as well. Had to take the truck. So he just snaps his neck and, you know, throws his body and goes on his merry way. There's no, you know, so. Which, again, I do find is really... Uh, progressive of this film, the dance dancing kid. Is no, no, no. The fact that he killed him. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and it's sort of shown. Yeah, not that it's sort of shown. It is. He I goes, mean, he go up behind him and. You know. I do, I do feel bad for that kid though. He needs to get his. Needs to get his maybe vocal the, cords. Checked. Maybe that's what Michael is trying to do. Sorry, I thought you know, yeah, check your vocal cords. Check your vocal cords. Um, too raspy for a twelve-year-old boy. Which that's a nice. That whole bit's like a nice homage to Halloween Four. Yep. The whole bus being crashed. And, I, and, and also Halloween 1 with the, all the inmates just sort of roaming around, which in itself was in, uh, was in homage to Night of the Living Dead. So you have sort of layers on this one that I like quite a bit. Um, I know you thought that some of the uh, – some of the they may have done too much to pinpoint all of the different Halloween films because you do get quite a bit of just, you know – referenced after reference after reference well like i said i, I i'm fine with because i think it has done good taste and they mm-hmm. and they knew the marks where to hit it you know again there is no reason for them to have the title card sequence that they had other than to get people who love halloween to be like yeah you're gonna buy into this now mm-hmm. you know um so no i know well. so yeah so i know i'm fi- i'm fine with all the references like i said it's something I knew going into it, like, if it, it's going to succeed, one of the things it's going to have to do is pander. And it pandered in the right way, you know? Right. Um, yeah, because going the other way, there is definitely a risk in just not drawing attention to any of the other films in the series, like, without with any, like, Easter eggs. And then you have fans who are like, that didn't seem like, you know, they even cared about the well, it's Halloween a, series. Like, well, even like in little things, like when they brought Godzilla over here with Brian Cranston, which, by the way, where the fuck's that sequel? Coming. Well, it's taking too long. It's Michael like, Doherty works slowly. It's been like five years now, believe it or not. Just, just so you but know, yeah, no. Michael Doherty gave up on his trick-or-treat too to fucking do <laughs> Godzilla. Godzilla, so. Well, so, 
Well, yeah, like even like the little Easter egg in like Godzilla, but like Mothra. Yeah. Does that ha- like did that have to be there? No, not at all. It was there though, so yeah. you know. But I think now, especially with like any property that's got any like a decade on it, they're gonna slap in Easter eggs. So you, like, you know, fans are like, see, look what we did. We 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 acknowledged it. We are hip. We know about it too. Right. You know. Right. I'm sure in like the new Jurassic World movies, they did the same thing, like pandering to like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like having Jeff Goldblum show up, like, yeah, uh, things uh, happen. Yeah, or, uh, certain told you. <laughs> yeah. What else? What are some other questions you got? Um, I we touched on a, quite a lot of them because we did a like we kind of rolled them all into like one question. But uh, one of the other ones that I'd like to pose is, what do you think of mask? So it's, it's great, dirtied up mask from the original. It's the best mask. It definitely this mask takes the original mask. And they weathered the hell out Weathered it, but it doesn't um, affect, like, you know how you have the whiteness that stands out mm-hmm. from the, it's the contrasting of the dark? It does, like, that even better in this one with, like, the weathering. But then also, you... And the you, better cameras. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but also, with this mask, um, you... I still feel like they have made... Uh, the shape into a suspenseful character. Stop mo- calling him that. <laughs> <laughs> More so than they did in the sequels, like Halloween 4 and 5. In Halloween 4 and 5, I don't really find Michael Myers scary or menacing. No, I no. just find him being like a creepy guy just, that's like standing in the... He's just your local bin man. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like traipsing about, yeah. hey, what's going on? In, yeah. in Halloween 2018, he legitimately feels suspenseful. Like the whole scene where Laurie sees him in the mirror, shoots the mirror, mm. and doesn't realize it's a mirror... That's a great scene because then he, you know, he's in that other room, just like sort of waiting. Oh, it could have been cool if she actually shot somebody too. Oh, so yeah. it's like, so it's like Halloween too, with like Loomis getting that poor fucking kid killed. I think they they had an homage to Halloween too when they had the cop just ram down Michael Myers. He's like, no, fuck it, yeah, you know, I, not, I'm not taking him into custody. Well, he was, nah. th- well, he was there that night, so he knows. True, true. He does. He's not messing around. He's just, you know, if there's a chance to kill Michael, he's taking it. But, uh, yeah. I like the mask. I like, I think yeah. they did a really What do you job. think of the whole, when he finds, gets the mask after he kills the two podcasters? I mean, it's puts, a little, it was a, it's a little, um. Hokey? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I think it's Doing their damnedest not to show old man Michael putting that thing on. And I think it was just sort of a, like another thing where it was like, we need to show him getting his mask. I thought it was sort of cheesy, but I'll accept it. That I that's basically what I was saying when I was watching it. I was like, uh, I'll I'll accept it. From the side views, you almost look like he'd be like a taller Mike Herman trout. Yeah, sort of. Like, yeah, oh, just, like, just like not like, as not as thick of a face. Just and like all right, body. All right, Lori, it's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> um. Other than that, I mean, we pretty much covered most of it. I think, right? Kills were great. Kills were, yeah, we talked about him a little bit. Kills were brutal. You know, it's you know, funny too, because he does use a lot of fucking headbanging. Like, he's like a metalhead, you know. Exactly. And um, I, I, it's it's like, that's an homage to Rob Zombie, you know, more of the Rob Zombie style of kills. But it felt a lot more, even like, this felt more brutal than Rob Zombie. Yeah. And Rob Zombies were like more uh, grotesque in the way he did it. But the way, like, because there was so like kind of a little bit over the top with like the gore effect. And the Rob Zombie ones, it was like, eh, it's kind of cheesy. Here, when he's like smashing fucking that guy's head into the stall, yeah, feel it. Because it looks like, that's what your face looks like after five <laughs> times getting violently rocked into, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and then it, also it, it like sort of makes sense because he doesn't have really a weapon or anything, and mm. you don't want to go like the whole ridiculously creative route where he like grabs a hook off of the door of a you know a stall and rips it off and then stabs it through his eye or something you want to go for a more realistic approach like what would michael do in an environmental scenario where he didn't really have a weapon well he'd probably bash his head into a wall and i think it makes sense you know so they really go with that they have him cracking necks you know breaking necks um smashing people's heads in and then the occasional stabbing but there's nothing like really over the top that says like would a real person do like boiling, a person, boiling no, somebody in a hot? Exactly, you know. Yeah, would a person just motivated to kill do something so like something Sa- that you might get it, like sadistic save, yeah, pleasure yeah, out yeah, of? No, makes, probably not. You know, he doesn't really seem to get pr- pleasure out of what he's doing. He's just doing it. So, you know, he would just do it any way he could. Makes sense. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. I don't really want to talk too much about the ending, except it's a, yeah. a nod up to Halloween too. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and I, I think for sure we are due a sequel. Well, we get to see I'll the, say that. Well, we get to see poor Allie holding the knife at the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know where they're gonna go. I don't know if they want to go. Uh, what Halloween four into five no. was supposed to be? I can almost guarantee you they're not you going. So to, I don't think they have the balls to to just excise Michael entirely no because no i don't think they have the balls to as much as because michelle again, myers <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> i can't do it because i'm sick right now but Uh-oh. but i mean look that'd be cool but at the same time what would be her reason to kill then right does yeah. like now because she's taken ptsd part- well i was gonna say <laughs> well Easy, uh, uh, i was gonna say now because um well, I'd say, like, it'd have to be, like, now that she's got the taste of it, now, like, you know... Stabbing. Yeah. You know, like, now, like, it's like, ooh, I kind of like, you know, how it feels. Well, and... then she can just move on to pegging, and she'll be okay. <laughs> but, but uh, so, yeah, like, I mean, it does leave it open for sequels. Um, would I like to see a sequel? Unless it's, it's, like, the same exact team? Probably not. Oh, yeah, for sure. If and, they're and, not and, coming and, back with the same team, I really don't have much expectation for a sequel. But if they're coming back with the a same team, David Gordon Green, and everybody's writing Danny it Brad, again. Brad, yeah, yeah. And, then, and I believe the intention was they were going to do a Halloween 1 and 2 similar to Halloween 1 and 2 taking place on the same night. And they had the idea for the second one all prepared, except they didn't want to start filming it because they were like, what if we really fucked up the first one? We don't want to like continue if everybody hated the first one and didn't make any money exactly in. so the idea was that we're you know, well, not you gonna know finish the second one. well you know what if they do do that i would be on board with them like yeah are you at that point are you aping halloween too absolutely but again it's a fucking genius idea yeah keep rolling with right, it right see how you I know i think that was the intention um, I don't know. I mean, now I think we'll definitely get a sequel. Well, the money made. The money. They're, I don't know. If Miramax would be dumb to say, you know, tell them not to make I don't. Know. I don't know if they're going to go with the same idea that they had. Because I know they did significant changes to the ending from what the first ending was to this new one. Do you know what the fir- original ending was supposed um, to be? I believe that... Um, L- what, Lori and there's a significant, Michael are supposed yeah, to die? Yeah, it's a significantly different ending. I can't remember exactly what it was. But it's pretty different, and I know test audiences really did not like it. So they went with this ending. Um, I can only imagine it had to be like something like probably like they both die. It like, was yeah, like, like Laurie and Michael probably die or something. It was something, de- yeah, it was something definitely different. Um, 
I can't remember what it was now, but I just know that it didn't really do well at all. So I'm not sure if like they had a, an idea for that ending that would go into Halloween two, or if they had, if they planned it out. So now this new ending could also lead into the idea they had for Halloween two, but whatever the case, I think we're definitely getting another one and I won't mind. I think though, they should not go with the saw slash paranormal activity route of trying to do one a year. I think God, you, take, no. you take as much time as you need. And if that means that you end up in like the film is finished in like May of 2019, then you just wait until or uh, May of 2020. Then you just wait until October 2020. Don't, re- you know, release it for Halloween. Well, yeah, but wait until the next Halloween if you if it's not ready in time. Well, they, they, don't don't rush it out just well, to get they, it out. Well, I say they'd be stupid. I think um, at least the nice thing with the new Jigsaw. Jigsaw 2, it seems like they're taking their sweet time. Right, yeah. Don't rush it out. You don't need to do one every single year because that's Because that's when you get lazy, yeah. cut corners, and, like, focus yeah. on... Just like, dilutes it. Yeah, no. If they don't have the, you know, this Blumhouse team come back and work on it, probably not going to be interested because, it, you know, so much... Because, again, all it takes, as we, as we saw with The Last Jedi, all it takes is a director with too much creative control to ride the things off the rails and be like... What happened? You know, so I, yeah. If it was like three years from now, I'd be down to like possibly yeah. to see. But like I said, same creative team behind it, same passion. And take your time. You know, I don't don't get lazy because again, if you're a fan of the fr- again, like I said, this film panders to people who love the Halloween franchise. You'll be able to pick out all the little things in there that you know sends up you know send up in cues. Um. And it's also, I do think this film does work well as, like, a beginning point for people who haven't seen the original. Because I can tell you now, though we'll both be disheartened by it, you show a Ute today, the original, they're going to be bored shitless. Right. Yeah, it's... Just it's like when your sister-in-law... Yep. say Just like when your sister-in-law, ten years ago, we were watching Night of the Living Dead at the Halloween, our Halloween party, and she was bitching about how it's boring, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. You know, so, <laughs> yeah, I can see you're grimacing from that. Like, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, like, as much as, and that's something we even acknowledged, too, when we reviewed the original Halloween. As much as we both love it, it is slow. It's a very slow burn. So, I can see how today, this one, though it's two hours long, it is a little bit faster paced, so it does have its slower parts with its character, because it does have a lot more character development in it than any of the Halloweens combined for your main core cast. Um, I can see how this one's a lot, going to be a lot more appealing to, um, modern day audiences, especially because even though there are rated films, who are they targeted towards? Mm. 15, 16 year olds. Yeah. So. All right. So we got to wrap this up, but we got to give our rating. What would you give Halloween 2018 out of 10 Bon Me sandwiches? <laughs> PB and J ones or just yeah PB and J ones yeah um I'll give it an eight and a half okay I love this film um it's close to a nine close um the score is fantastic I can't tell you how much I love the score of this film I think Don uh not John John Carpenter and uh, Cody Carpenter they do a great job. And again, as you said, and everyone else has said, the stalking theme with Allison is fucking just amazing. Um, I like, though it's a predictable thing for them to do, they took the original Halloween and some of the ideas from other films 
and basically just redid them, but they subverted them in the right spots to make it interesting and unique. Um, I like seeing the three generations of Strode. Gundam Age, that's how you fucking do it. <laughs> um, you know, that's interesting. They all each have their own character personalities. You know, one being damaged, the other one trying to is actually getting over, you know, their damage, the other one who's getting sucked into it now. Um, I thought the acting throughout was, you know, we didn't really talk about is damn good. Jamie Lee Curtis is the star of this film. You know, she at, um, I like to throw the word around, powerhouse performance in this, of, you know, being character that she is in here. In fact, it almost kind of seems like it's just, you know, that's probably who she is these days. Just, you know, after the Activia commercial, just go homes and uh, is the old lady in The Simpsons with the cats, you know, swinging her shotgun around. Yeah. Um, this is just, like, I love how Michael looks in this. I love the mask. I love how it's, like, gotten weathered over the years. I love how he... Who's the guy that plays Michael in this too, by the way? Well, um, it's uh, James Jude Courtney for the most part. Um, but Nick Castle does reprise his role as the original shape in one scene. So, you know, it, most most of the time it's James Jude Courtney. This is great. You know, he's not like overly tall. He's not this overly hulking, massive piece of shit like in Rob Zombies. But he is still menacing in the way he portrays himself again he's got those robotic movements down spot on and that adds you know the terror to it and how he just moves and how he acts you know again we don't one of the things that i mean for me because i like to know i want to know everything it is annoying that i don't know what his motive is despite what the film tries to say about him trying to go after laurie I don't think that's his motive, but at the same time, it's one of the most beautiful things ever because you get it's now going to have a thousand different fan and conspiracy theories on what's his motive on this. Um, This is just a great film. This is my um, second favorite Halloween film now. This is better than Halloween 2, I think. Because Halloween 2 is awesome and creative and ideas taking place right after the first film, and it's still got the same first, the tropes from the first film, like the title card and stuff like that. By that time, when that film was getting made in 81, they moved into slasher schlock at the time with, like, girls just running around with their tits and, like, the <laughs> stupid way that they get killed. And now Jamie Lee Curtis is running around with makeup and all this other stupid shit that's in the film. Though it's a great film and I really enjoy it. By that time, I even said during the that review, it does have very common 80s slasher tropes that it didn't need to have. This film doesn't. This film stands on its own, I think, especially for a decade that's been pretty slasherless in the horror genre. They moved more towards, you know, other things. They've gotten away from the slasher genre outside of Jigsaw. You know, we haven't really seen a really good slasher film. So this one kind of stands on its own. Doesn't reinvent the wheel, just subvert some things. But it wor- again, it works well for what it did, and which is... That's the most typical thing, and something I guess you could say bash about this film, because that's a very 2010s thing. It's taking an old idea, gussing it up for a newer audience, and to please an older audience, but then subverting things to make it like, this is new! Yeah. So, do that with you will, but again, I really like this, and when you went to go see it a second time, I've never seen a film two times in a theater. I would have went to go see it if I didn't sit at home with my parents at my parents' house and watch the Bills get the shit kicked out of them. <laughs> I should have just went to the goddamn movies. Bro. Yeah. So uh, the first time I saw it, I would probably have given it an eight. Uh, the next time I saw it, 
I changed my rating to an 8.5. I think it was a really good film. Um, I really enjoy the score. I like the acting. I like um, Michael Myers' mask itself. Uh, one thing, like I said, I would really get rid of is maybe the first 15 to 20 minutes of the film. Cut that out. I think you'd have a nice 90-minute running time for this movie. Um, you would lessen some of the... So would you like... Uh, sorry to interrupt because I know we don't like to interrupt. Yeah. Reviews. So just off of that, though, would you just like keep the podcasters in but just have show up to Lori's house at first, not Michael? Because it doesn't really make sense for that. It, you know, as we kind of talked about, for them to let them in to talk to a mute uh, True. patient. Would they be like, what, you're not going to get any fucking information yeah, from Yeah, I mean, I feel, like, I feel like... I, I might have cut all of the podcasters and just reorganized some of the opening. Um, I, I don't think I would have left the podcasters in at all. I think I would have done a little something different in the opening to, so that it made sense that Michael would be released but also have his mask. Um, but I would have changed that just a little bit, cut it down, be a 90-minute running time. I think you would have gotten rid of some of the uh, criticisms that the first the first part of the film is somewhat slow. Um, other than that, though, the kills are great, brutal. Uh, but also off screen that some of them make really good sense within the Halloween atmosphere. Um, it does have a Halloween atmosphere. Uh, it takes place on Halloween and you can see this one really makes good use of fall leaves and trick-or-treating, all that stuff. I like the long cut. I almost wish that there were more of those. Um, long takes, long scenes. I can of only him. imagine how many times they had to do. No, I, I know. If you watch the Haunting of Hill House uh, episode six on Netflix, that has basically four long cuts that are just the entire episode. Just one long cut, then a you know one long take, then a cut, one long take, then a cut, one long take, then a cut, and and uh, it's sort of interesting how those scenes play out in a different manner than like if you had multiple edits and stuff like that, which we're kind of edit happy now. Is so that, we, as I say, is it better than the Copacabana scene from Goodfellas? Yeah. <laughs> that's because when people talk about long, you know, yeah. long takes, that's, that's the gold standard. Yeah, the, right. the whole going around I mean, the Copacabana. I do love long takes. So I think this one does a really good job. Um, other than that, I really liked everything else about it. Um, just cutting down some of that first, first part of the scenes um, I think it would have been a really great film and all of the, the references I think work really well. I can't rave enough about the title cards too. Yeah, that's great. That's it just great. I, I know everybody's going to be blown away when they see that first title card. I think everybody who knows the first one. Well, I think. All right. We made it through season of Halloween. We did it. We did them all. You know, this made, this film made the slog. Oh yeah. And I definitely was not as bad as the, doing the song films. Or even 90 Slasher Month. Yeah. Because you know what? That got... That, it, that did also get to be like... Uh, very repetitive. Because yeah. yeah, you I had agree. the same Dawson's Creek cast just about, you I know. agree. Um, but yeah, no. Um, had a good time. Like I said, I, I would gladly go see this again in theaters. Yeah. Um, now, did you see LeBron James is interested in producing a Friday? Friday 13th? Yeah, I did. Yeah, well. I don't know what that means, but we'll see. <laughs> so, um, we are going to try to be back next some sometime next week with another episode before halloween not sure that that's gonna i can't promise that it's gonna happen it might happen after halloween not really sure but we will be back with another episode it Um, depends on if a theater around here is going to show drum roll are we announcing it? You might as well, because right. Suspiria, the Suspiria remake. Yeah, we're gonna try to fit that in if we can. Uh, depends on if we can get to a showing of it, uh, which, as far as we know, there's not anywhere showing it right now. This this when it releases this week. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Not not guaranteeing anything, but it will definitely be on the show at some point, either like close to that 
the start of either close to Halloween or after a little bit after Halloween. Somehow we'll make it into the the schedule. And if we don't, then fuck it when it's on Blu-ray. That's right. That's the that's the downside of living in a tiny town. Yeah, they they're not going to be showing no three hour Italian American horror film. Mm-mm. All right. Uh, thanks for listening to our season of Halloween series. Um, I'm going to post everything on Facebook and Twitter so that you have links to every single episode that we've done this month and the previous month. But um, just so you know, uh, you can find us on podcast, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we are on Podbean as well. So anywhere you can listen to a podcast, uh, it's probably on there. So subscribe, leave us a nice review. We're we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Show us pictures of your Halloween costume. Yeah, definitely. We want to see. Uh, sh- uh, we're on Twitter as well at Blood and Black Rum. And we have an email address at Blood and Black Rum Podcast at gmail.com. So you can write to us and let us know what kind of uh, episodes you want us to do because we're going to need suggestions for films coming up in the future. Uh, and then also we have a patron page where you can donate to us for just a dollar. You get episodes one day early at least. And, and hopefully if we get it up in time, <laughs> sometimes we don't just the nature of the scheduling beast. Cause we do do these, uh, right before they are released each week. It's tough to do. So thanks for listening to our season of Halloween. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope you have a great Halloween. And also we hope you go check out Halloween 2018 in theaters because it's definitely an experience that you should, uh, experience. Take care.